Welcome to the Eat Right Nutrition Podcast, where we partner with experts in the health, wellness, and nutrition field to deliver you an excellent variety of content based on real science, real facts, and real food. I'm your host, Daron. And I'm Nicole. And today we're talking about the art of coaching. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number 79, The Art of Coaching. Today, we're going to be diving into different types of coaching, different coaching styles, and what it means to choose a coach from your end and what it means to be a coach from our end. All right, Nicole, so let's jump into it. Okay, what do you want to start with? So, Nicole, let's let's start by diving into different types of coaches, and then we'll talk a little bit about what we do and how we coach. Mm -hmm. Different types of coaches in terms of like macro coaches. Yeah, like like so every everywhere, everywhere you see. I mean, typically you see coaches all over social media. Yeah, you've got prep coaches that will uh, get you ready for a contest competition prep, which Nicole, I know you do some of and I have kind of yeah, I used to do some of that and I kind of swore it off because (laughs) I, I just feel like my brain can be put to use serving people that I think just need the help a little bit more, not to knock prep coaching and prep coaches. I do think that it's a huge accomplishment getting somebody on stage. And I do think that it's a huge accomplishment for the individual getting on stage and seeing how much they can persevere, Mm -hmm. what, what limits they can, can push through. I mean, from my bodybuilding background, I'm grateful that I've done it. And mm-hmm. I think it's taught me a lot. And I think, you know, one of the things that my mother used to always say was if you took the energy that you put into your bodybuilding and your training and put it into your education, you will be wildly successful. And I kind of took that and ran with it. And I did take that energy and I put it into everything I do now. So I don't want to discredit the contest prep, but it's just something that I've chosen not to really take my career in that direction. Yeah, it's probably the hardest type of coaching, I think, simply because it's the most unrealistic to hold clients accountable to, I guess. I mean, let's be honest, anybody that's been on stage, you and I both have done it. We have a lot of coaches that we know have done it. We know a lot of people that have done it. It's it's not something that's easy to do. It's a short term goal. Um, And it's a lot of discipline and, you know, pretty hardcore. I tell clients all the time that are doing it with me that this is a tiny snippet of the bigger picture over years of training and cutting and training and cutting. I mean, it's definitely short term goal. Yeah, well, it's kind of short term and long term, right? Because you're you have to get them to be able to see that big picture of that long term. Like, hey, it's going to take you years to put on enough mass to really be a champion competitor. Yeah, exactly. And then the cut itself to lead up to a competition is I mean, it doesn't have to be awful, but it is not easy. I don't think you can really have a good balance to a normal life in terms of being around friends and family and enjoying different types of food, it's pretty strict and you have to be all in. And so I think people that come to me to do competition prep 
are looking for that type of challenge to see if they can do it. I mean, that's why I did it. I wanted to see how far I could take my body and if I could actually stick to it. I mean, I love doing it. Don't get me wrong, but it is hard because the mindset that you have to be in in order to be a client and work with a coach, there has to be a lot of teamwork, a good communication um, between the two. And it can really be tough on post shows, actually, I think more tough than the actual show. Like everybody loves getting lean and feeling great, but then reverse dieting and coming off and going back to kind of normal body, normal life, that can be a really big mind fuck. And it's really hard for people. So I think that's the part that, you know, as a coach, I, I have to like really be in a good cheering section or cheering mode, I guess, for my clients to help them through that. Cause that can be really hard. All right. So that's prep coaching in a nutshell. And we've got, we've got athletic coaches for and like sports and stuff. Athletic coaches are people that like, they, they like to train athletes. They love to see people perform better and use performing performance metrics to, you know, see people progress in whatever sport they're playing. And typically athletic coaches or athletic nutrition coaches, or let's say a dietitian that's working with a team, mm -hmm. they are very sport specific. So it's not practical for an everyday person to eat like one of these athletes because, and this is where I get into prep coaching and athletic coaching for a specific sport where you're not necessarily looking at nutrition from a health perspective. You're looking at it right. from an either a physique perspective or in the athlete's case, a performance perspective. And it's very important to kind of draw the line between health and performance, because sometimes what you'll do for performance isn't necessarily the balanced, healthy route. So mm -hmm. we have to keep in mind when some people are looking at athletes and they're like, man, I want to look like them or perform like them. You're giving some things up in order to be like that. Yeah, exactly. And then we've got weight loss coaches, which pretty self-explanatory people that help people lose weight, right? Whether you're obese or you're just, you know, have some extra pounds that you want to shed. They're going to help you by predominantly focusing on what we always talk about, a calorie deficit. Mm-hmm. And we've got endurance coaches, which is kind of goes along with that performance with athletic coaches, but it's specific to endurance. So carbs uh, for really focusing on carb depletion strategies, carb loading strategies. So you can have this uh, glycogen supercompensation effect, right? We know bodybuilders do that leading up to a show sometimes, not always. I think uh, some bodybuilders have kind of gravitated away from that method and said, okay, well, if you look good leading up to the show, why mess with it? Because we could risk oversaturation where you have the spillover effect, but endurance coaches really focus on, are you getting adequate protein? When should you, ha you have your protein? When should you have certain nutrients? Electrolyte balance is really important for endurance uh, competitions. Mm -hmm. And then your carbohydrate quantity and how you're strategizing your carbohydrates, both in your training and in competition. Then we've got the camp of people that are focused on hormones. And we've got the camp of people that are focused on gut health coaches that will focus on, okay, well, maybe there's a hormonal imbalance that can be worked on or fixed by your nutrition and what you're putting into your body because metabolism is, you know, there's a huge hormonal component that we look at from, okay, well, if, do you really have thyroid dysregulation, for example, or, have you just been in too big of a calorie deficit for a long period of time and you have metabolic adaptation 
And if you increase your calories gradually, then that might help with that thyroid. Or we know that if people are in a calorie deficit for too long a period of time, that can affect testosterone levels, right? So are your testosterone levels low because you've been dieting? And we see this in natural bodybuilding competitors that if you oftentimes really close to the competition, when they've been dieting for a long time, if you were to check their lab work, you'll probably see a pretty significant reduction in testosterone levels. So there are things that you could do nutrition wise to affect your hormones, your fatty acid intake, the ratios of, of fats to carbs to protein that'll affect your hormones. And then we've got gut health. What's going on with your gut? Are you adequately absorbing your nutrients? Can we check your lab work and see what's going on with, are you absorbing vitamin B12? Do you have adequate vitamin D? Do you have discomfort? Do you, are you gassy? Are you bloated? Is it upper GI? Is it lower GI? And there could be potential situations where you might want to recommend some supplements some probiotics, maybe fiber, vegetables, whole grains, things of that sort. And then we've got the intuitive eating camp. We know how I feel about the intuitive eating camp. Well, you say intuitive eating and you have that like devious look on your face. Like I think intuitive eating for me would be categorized as the um, building a healthy relationship with food group. Yes, but I just think people have taken it too far. Uh, well, listen, I would agree with you. Every, everything is too far. Like Even prep coaches have taken things too far. A lot of what we see in terms of the types of, of coaching that's going on is people are pulling one specialty out of this entire fan of approaches, and they're making that their niche market and going, okay, well, I specialize in gut health. So this is what I do to get people to lose weight, be healthy, et cetera. Or I specialize in intuitive eating. For those of you that have been counting calories and counting macros and doing it year after year after year and sick and tired of counting and want to have more food freedom and, and ease of the mind and not always thinking about food, building a healthy relationship with food and, and eating intuitively, those are all different tools and strategies for a specific type of client. Yes. But here's, here's where I kind of say, so what I find on social media is a lot of the intuitive eating coaches are the same coaches that they've struggled with their issues. Maybe they were prep coaches at one point. Or maybe they were influencers that dieted so hard for such a long period of time and they had an unhealthy relationship with food, with food. And then they went in the extreme polar opposite direction. Yeah. And they're like, well, you should have all you should be able to have all these foods in your home and you should be able to eat them freely. And I, I just think sometimes the message becomes so extreme on the opposite end of the spectrum, not that there's something wrong with it, because I do believe that people need to have a healthy relationship with food. And sometimes if they're afraid of things, I mean, carb phobia, for example, that's mm -hmm. something that we oftentimes see is I, I'm not, I can't eat that many carbs. Are you crazy? You're telling me to eat 130 grams of carbs, Jerome. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm also telling you that you're eating 50 grams of carbs a day right now. And 130 grams, well, 130 grams of carbs is the minimum that it takes for your brain and central nervous system just to function properly. So yeah, I'm like, and from a practical approach, I'm saying, hey, you need to eat more carbs. But the intuitive eating part, like it just goes so like, just eat whatever you want, have chips, eat them freely. Don't count your macros. Don't log in your food journal. Mm -hmm. And that is the side. I'm not saying that all intuitive eating, all quote unquote. I mean, listen, we had Astrid on the podcast, who's the anti-diet dietitian. 
but she still values food journals, logging, tracking. Uh, how many steps are you getting? Like still right. tracking. But that's all education. Metrics. That's because the, that's positioned as education. And I think that's the difference. Like educating someone as to what a protein is and how many grams of protein you need to reach a goal and being educated around that is one thing. We've talked about this before. You need to be educated in all those things. You can't be afraid to know all that stuff. But if the pendulum swings all the way to the side of complete and utter obsession about it, eventually it's going to swing to the other end. And, you know, you're, you're going to want to pull away from thinking about it all the time and having to count and track. And that's where I think the intuitive eating like swing goes all the way to the other side because you see this and you're talking from a, a social media standpoint. And for me, social media has two sides to this coin. One is influencers or coaches or whatever you want to call them, people that go based off of the experiences they have in their journey in health and wellness and nutrition. And they post about that. And then people are drawn to that. I lost this amount of weight. I did this follow me and help. I'll help you on your journey. There's like a connection that way emotionally. That's experience-based coaching, but not a lot of that has any science or education or, you know, and I think we have to educate our listeners. You have to be careful of those people. They don't always have the best intentions. They're just putting things out. Or they don't always get people inspired. They 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 go based off of their experience and they're like, well, this worked for me. So it'll work for you. Right. And And that's not the case. So when it comes from like for me, from a coaching standpoint, it's got to be practical. It's got to be sound Mm -hmm. and it's got to be based on science that leads before my experiences. I'm not saying that I never coach based off of things that I've experienced. I talk to clients all the time and use myself as an example of, hey, when I did this, this is what happened. Mm -hmm. But the the root of the coaching to me has to be in science. And I think in the art of coaching, you should be somewhat well balanced in all of these approaches. Like if you take a a hybrid of, okay, well, I'm going to work to increase your performance in the gym because that's going to help you with your weight loss goal. So now I'm twofold, right? I'm going to work towards, even if you're not competing in an endurance competition, I see the benefit in cardiovascular activity and how that's going to help your goals. I see the benefit in getting your steps in. I know that you have a goal with your physique in mind. So we're going to focus on building lean mass because that is, let's be real, probably 90% of the people that come to us want to look good naked. Mm-hmm. And that's probably one of the first things that they're, they're thinking about, even above their health. And it's up to us to have the conversation right. with them about healthy strategies to get there because health is also important. So it's a, a kind of a fusion of all of these different types of coaches balled into one. And I think you need to have an understanding of the science in each of these categories in order to be the most effective coach that you can. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. So the other side of that coin is everything you just mentioned, the science, the education, and not just the experience as an individual, but the the experience with coaching clients. Like how many times have we heard of someone that wins a a show and all of a sudden two weeks later, they're a coach. They haven't coached clients to over and over and over to gain experience as a coach. And through that type of training, they just want a medal in a show. And they haven't read the science. 
And right. So they just did it based off your experience. So you either and and here's the other thing, like (laughs) being in the industry, as long as you and I have, you learn as you go. So there is a piece to coaching that it's like a catch 22. You have to coach clients in order to gain experience. But if you don't have enough experience, you have to be very careful with coaching. So there's a little bit of balance there. I think the most important piece to anyone that is a new coach for the coaches out there is that you have a mentor or someone that is helping you through the process. That's what I did when you are getting started to be a second set of eyes, help you with different strategies, make sure that the coaching experience for the client is actually, you know, a mix of maybe your experience and the things that you've done for yourself, but also the education and the science behind it so that there's a a nice blend of both because you got to start somewhere as a coach. Like it's unfair to say that if you're a new coach that you, you can't coach, but you definitely have to have someone there to support you. So, well, I'm absolutely not saying that there shouldn't be new coaches, but I will say (laughs) there are people that are out there that coach with no education. And then you've also, you've got, well, you've got, you've got the camp of people that are like isogenics and, uh, what's the other one? Uh, Oh, Herbalife. Herbalife, right? And I'm an Herbalife health coach. And it's like, well, you're just you're pushing supplements, eat three bars a day and have a shake and then one real meal. And you don't know anything about what you know, what's actually going on, what ingredients are in these products, the quality of these products. You're not actually a coach. Nobody's actually nobody's actually taught you how to be a coach, but you're calling yourself a coach. And I've had some of these people on social media try and poach my clients. Yeah, I have to. And they're like, oh, I'll get you there faster. And I'm like, okay, well, that's a red flag right there because you'll get them there faster or you're going to get them there in the right way where they're going to have sustainable results. Yeah, they I think they've switched their names now to consultants instead of coaches. I think I've heard I've seen that on some of the people that have approached me in my DMs. But I'm always just like, listen, you do your thing. I respect to whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. But I don't have respect for it. I'm not. I'm not into any what are they that. trying to accomplish? They're trying to multi-level trying market to, their bullshit. Yeah, to they're the world. making their money whatever way they think that they can. And but in essence, the, the bottom line is that if you are new coach, you need to have a, a, what I call a professional track. Like there's got to be people holding the coaches accountable to what they're coaching. We've done that. Right. We've had um, educators help us along our process. And so any new coach that's in the industry, you got to make sure you have someone that's helping you through that process. That's so important, a mentor, et cetera. And then for the, our, for listeners that are looking for coaches, what is your goal and what type of person are you and where are you starting that, that there's so much that you have to do your research and really pay attention to what you're getting yourself into. Well, I I also do think that oftentimes when certain clients come on, they think that their level of experience with nutrition or their knowledge around nutrition is greater than it actually is. And then when they come into coaching and then we give them the whole rundown of all the things that we're going to do, they realize, okay, hey, maybe I'm not as versed in nutrition and fitness as I thought I was, and I still have a lot more to learn. So I think it's hard for the consumer to say, okay, well, I'm an advanced or intermediate level eater, I guess I'd say. Mm-hmm. It's hard to kind of make that judgment. Well, I think it's also how you approach the goal. I say this to clients all the time. Like if you've worked with other coaches and things didn't work out right, take a second look at how you approach the goal. 
are you trying to do it too fast? Were you crash dieting? You know, what what was the the setup and what did you learn from it? And that's really the the big question that you have to ask yourself in, in any situation because, you know, nothing's perfect. It's going to have ups and downs. You just have to be realistic with yourself on what your yeah. goals are and, and, and the best way to approach them and then figure out, okay, well, what, what type of coach is going to be the right coach for me? And what type of message is going to be the message that resonates with me as yeah. a client that's going to help me to navigate this world? Nicole, what do you think you are in terms of types of coach? Your coaching archetype. I, this is, uh, um, have you seen those archetype? Like take this test to tell you which diet you should have. Are you a lion no. or a tiger or a, no, what's that? It's such BS. It's like really just random sponsored things that come up on Instagram and well, see, there you. you go for well, this is the other thing. Are you a coach? I definitely I'm definitely not a coach that focuses on my marketing structure. <laughs> you know, like there are coaches online that their marketing is brilliant. Absolutely. But then they can't coach. Yeah. Right. But they'll hook you in real fast thinking, wow, this sounds amazing. I'm a lion. I'm going to eat like a lion. Is that what it based? Is that what it's based? No, on? I don't even. It's, <laughs> I, I didn't dive so deep into it, but I, I was like, this is I can't with this. All right. So what type of coach are you, Nicole? Um, phenomenal coach. Great. Glad you can give yourself a pat on the back. <laughs> uh, no. Well, I do think I am a phenomenal coach, but I've worked really hard over the years to fine tune my coaching. That's for sure. When I was younger and I was coaching, I was really focused on trying to educate clients. And I think at the beginning of my coaching, I was more focused on educating them and I didn't listen as much. And as I've learned over the years that I have to educate them and then listen at the same time. So I feel like I, my coaching experience has evolved in that aspect. And I love teamwork. My coaching, if I had to like pick three words, I think teamwork would be the first thing that I would choose. I like to work with my clients to figure out what the strategies are going to be best for them. And then I, I am a mix of tough love and what about the type of client that you take type of client? Uh, I have four types of clients, general population, which is for me, health and weight loss. That's number one that I've always absolutely loved working with. I, I consider that the beginner, like someone that's really new to nutrition and fitness. I absolutely love working with beginners because they're so much fun and they really want to learn and they're super excited and they take everything in and it's fun to see all of their like stepping stones. So kind of like the the beginner would be the first. The second, obviously, we've mentioned prep coach. I've gotten into that over the past couple of years, which is, like I said, it's probably the hardest, but a lot of fun, too, because really being a supportive coach and being able to fine tune people's physiques, it is really, I don't know, I like the science behind it, like changing things out and seeing the body and the physique change. I think you've talked about that on other podcasts. When you when you move things around and you change macros and, and things start to change, it's pretty um, empowering to be able to be part of that journey with someone. Um, and then the third, obviously, from an athletic performance standpoint, is working with dancers specifically. Getting them to actually eat something. Getting them to eat. Yeah, I think that would probably be categorized more from like a um, endurance athlete or performance in the gym, you know. And then the fourth is the food psychology, which is 
really helping people rebuild their relationship with food. Those are my uh, four. Now, the psychology yeah, piece is your wheel, biggest wheelhouse there. Yeah. Well, they all you have to have. Well, so what I tell clients when I'm when I meet with them at the beginning of like a consult is the food psychology is going to be the first thing that we work on. Then we'll work on performance, whether you're a dancer or not, doesn't matter whatever type of performance that you're, you know, what that could be just general gym exercise or your specific sport. And then we're going to work on your physique. You may not be stepping on stage to get on to do a show, but I know you want to look good naked. And then from a health and wellness standpoint, that fourth tier. So for me, while there, I break it up into four tiers, all four overlap in to create what I call the ultimate lifestyle and human body is to be healthy, to be able to perform, to have a good relationship with food and to feel good in your skin. So I consider myself a four tier coach. And I'm a one tier coach. <laughs> Just get it done. Yeah. <laughs> get shit done. Don't die with your goals and empower you to be the best you kind of coach. The type of clients that I take on are, listen, I like the health stuff. I love health and wellness. I love the the medical side of things. Obviously, you know, through my education, I'm trained in that there's something wrong. Let's let's figure it out. If you have some restrictions, let's figure it out. Macros are, are something that, I mean, I've been doing since my bodybuilding days. That's it. I mean, really, listen, body recomp is something that I do. If you want to build muscle, I'm your guy. If you want to yeah. decrease body fat, I'm your guy. But then also from a health standpoint, really understanding how the body works. I'm for me, I'm an educator. And I think that's in my blood mm -hmm. because I've got a ton of educators in my family, a ton of teachers in my family. So yeah. I've just taken a different side. I didn't take like the I'm going to be in school and teach third graders. I took the I'm going to teach people how, <laughs> how to eat just because that really was my background. So and like you mentioned with the bodybuilding piece where it's like seeing the changes mm -hmm. as you change a single thing. Yeah. And you see, because when you're bodybuilding, you get so dialed in that one single small change in your diet drastically affects your physique. Mm -hmm. And that was what led me to studying nutrition to begin with, because I was like, wow, this is so fascinating. So for me, I want my clients to see how as to almost kind of what I hope for every client is that they take away from it how fascinating it is. Right. That right. that they equally see how amazing the world of nutrition is mm -hmm. and how when you integrate it into your life and, and the foods that you're eating, how you feel, how you function. I've also been getting into a lot of things around brain function and a lot of research mm -hmm. there. Right. What is going to help your mental performance as well? Yeah. So for me, it's all aspects of life, like how can your nutrition and your fitness program enhance you and level you up? as a, as a person, as an individual, as a human and, and all your performance in all areas. Yeah. And how that, empowering that is for people to realize they have the control to do that. Yeah. For the most part. And unless obviously you've got some medical ailment that needs to be treated, but hmm. for the, mo for the most part, you you're in control. You're in the driver's seat. If you feel tired and groggy, like let's work on the habits of waking up at the same time every day, going to bed at the same time every day. Do you need sleep supplements? Do you need, you know, like how does nutrition integrate into your entire life? And that to me is, and when we talk about eat right nutrition and what I want for eat right is 
we don't just want to, and I say this all the time, we don't just want to change your nutrition and your fitness plan. We want to change your life. And in order to do that, we need to get you to understand that it's all integrated together. It's not separate. Mm -hmm. See, guys, Daron is just a big teddy bear. He just wants everybody to live a better life. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you, just get shit done and stop being lazy. And I'm going to call you out he's on your kind bullshit. of a tough loved Connie. Yeah, he's tough love on the other side when it's just take action and get the shit done. <laughs> just because that's how I operate. Yeah. Right. If you want something, go get it. You want a physique, go get it. You want a job, go get it. You want a career. You want a certain life for yourself. You want a family mm -hmm. life that, you know, that you're in control. Yeah. So, Nicole, let, then let's go into uh, what really what makes a coach an effective coach. Well, I think we kind of just covered a bunch of those topics, but well, but this is also where the emotional intelligence comes first. Yeah. When it comes yeah. to being a coach, you have to be able to listen and you have to be able to empathize with people. You have to be able to accept pivots, strategy changes and all the different things that are going to be thrown at you. So you have to be quick on your feet and and you've got to be a problem solver, a problem solver. Yeah. You've also got to be able to understand small wins and celebrate those victories with your client. Yeah, you got to hold your clients down. And I really think the most effective coach, and I'm going to say this because it's just, just who I am, combine science of nutrition with behavior, right? So the yeah. nutritional science and behavioral science, I think you kind of fuse the two together because the reality is that in the art of coaching, you really have to focus on human nature and hu human behavior and really understanding how that's integrated into their eating decisions. Yeah. And I think if I was just, and I maybe in the past, I was just like, Hey, these are macros. What do you mean? Just eat this and go like go off in the world and, and do it. But that's not the reality. The reality is there's a lot of emotional stuff tied into it. And this is where the quote unquote, I guess, intuitive eating piece comes in. Well, I think it because there's a balance. Everything has the scale, like the over the top deprivation and then the over the top, eat whatever the hell you want, right? Like you, there's a scale for that. And then the middle ground is finding balance in your life without depriving yourself to the point where it's, everything is miserable and or eating whatever the hell you want, never achieving a goal. So the, uh, the ultimate goal is to find that middle ground. And what happens with people that we see in coaching is they swing from absolutely depriving themselves at certain times in life and not taking care of themselves that way to absolutely indulging and not taking them care of themselves in that way. So finding that that pendulum swing to kind of just hover over that middle ground, take care of yourself, eat health, healthy quality foods most of the time for that general population in a way that's healthy for you, exercise at a, a place that feels good for you, that's going to get you your goal. But you, if, if everything is constantly smashing against the wall one way or the other, you never quite find that in the middle. And I think that's one of the things that makes a good coach is recognizing that your client may have been like dieting down for years and or not giving a fuck about their health. And your goal is to take all that information and hone that into a lifestyle that's going to be best for them keep them somewhere in the middle so that they can be healthy, have a good physique, be great at their performance and have a good relationship with food. And those are my four tiers. I think that's the biggest success that you can have. And that takes time. So from a coaching and art of coaching perspective, as a coach, you have to know where the client is coming in and, and what part of that spectrum they're coming in from. And then how are you going to navigate them into that middle? 
Yeah. And there, and there are tools that we use in the process to help to navigate our clients like food journals, mm-hmm. for example. And this is a food journal is the one thing where I say, okay, this is where we're combining the science of nutrition and we're combining behavior because a food journal yeah. is very crucial for the data of not just what you're eating and your calories and things of that sort, but it's also crucial to say, okay, well, this will be able to give you a snapshot of how you were feeling when you made that decision to eat that food that you were eating. The other things that we use is we can use food frequency questionnaires to guide people and say, okay, well, how many servings of X, Y, and Z are you having throughout the week? If maybe you're not okay with the food journal and the app and, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe we can just, okay, say, well, every time you have a serving of vegetable, I want you to just put a check mark on your food frequency questionnaire, you know, write the number of uh, servings of that that you had. Uh, 24 hour recalls are a tool that we use when it comes to our initial intake form, right? We want to gather as much information as we can. And we want to say, okay, well, give me your typical day of eating or give me what you ate in the last 24 hours. And hopefully that's reflective of what you typically eat like. And that'll give me insight into how to start the conversation and where you need to go. We also include other things on the intake form, like your, your, what are your primary goals, uh, your digestion, what are the stressors in your life, rate these things from one to 10 so that we know, okay, well, what areas like we talk about nutrition, isn't just about nutrition. It's about your life and you're making decisions based on certain things that are going on in your life. So this is where we say, okay, well, what are the stressors in your life? And what are the things that as your coach, I'm going to have to uh, have conversations with you about, is it going to be your financial situation, your relationships with other people, your work stress, education, uh, health and fitness is health, a stressful thing for you because, you know, maybe you have a history of heart disease in your family and you're noticing that your cholesterol is elevated. So all of those things are useful tools for us. And then weekly check-ins as well. And in the weekly check-ins, I think in the art of coaching, we have to really drive in biofeedback. And I think that it's a coach's duty to get biofeedback every time that you suggest something to a client that the the biofeedback comes back on their hunger, their energy, their cravings, their digestion, their mood, their sleep, their stress, their strength and performance in the gym. Am I giving you too big of a deficit and your strength is lacking? Or are you a rock star in the gym and, and your strength is fine? Or if are you eating a certain food that's affecting your digestion and then making it harder for you to eat throughout the rest of the day and get all of your calories in that you're supposed to be getting in? Or are you eating a food that maybe you have a sensitivity to or an intolerance, right? Do we need to do an elimination strategy? Do you need a FODMAP diet, right? All this biofeedback that you give us in the check-in process, including your weigh-in, obviously your weigh-in is, is biofeedback too. Um, but all this information that you're giving us in that process tells us, okay, well, wh- what's the path forward? And as for weigh-ins, weigh-ins, I always say, okay, well, it really depends on the client, right? So some clients will will say, okay, well, I want you to weigh in every day and then and then get the average at the end of the week. Or other clients will say, I want you to weigh in once a week. To me, there's like a minimum every two weeks mm-hmm. for weigh-ins. If you're afraid of the scale, we have to work on that relationship because I say this all the time. I understand that you're afraid of the scale, but The scale is only a tool and whether or not the scale goes up or down, it's giving us insight and information for a path forward. And I think that this is part of why coaching and why we say the art of coaching, because coaching is an art. You have to figure out how to paint the perfect picture for this person to get to where they're going. 
It's all about comfort level. And, and I think that's the education part, like educating someone as what, as to why a scale weight goes up and down. I mean, we scream it from the rooftops every day as coaches, but it is really still difficult for clients to grasp that. Like you drank water and your weight went up two pounds and well, it's still, it's still really difficult. Well, I think just in general, the slower the process, which I know clients listening to this are going to hate me saying this, but a good coach is going to slow the process down a little bit for you so that you can learn things as you go so that you don't have to do this over and over and over again, that you learn it, you get, you get a grasp of what you need. And so that each time obstacles or barriers come up, you've learned how to handle them. So they no longer become obstacles and barriers and you fly to the finish line or the next level of your training. So I think a good coach would be someone that can help you with that unless you want to stay in the same place and do the same things over and over again and get nowhere. All right. So just to kind of wrap it up in terms of looking for a coach, you really have to say what your goals are, have a realistic conversation with yourself of where you are in your process right now and what coach is going to be the right fit for you and find a coach that's going to help to build you a roadmap and a vision together with you and paint that picture of where you're going and how you're going to get there. And like I say all the time, it's important to tie your fitness and your nutrition to your life because they're not separate. And with that being said, if you enjoyed this episode, click subscribe, give us five stars, write a review, share this with a friend, and you'll hear us next week.